0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, June the 3rd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today, on June 3rd, 1989, Chinese army troops began the sweep of Beijing to crush student-led pro-democracy demonstrations. Now China is trying to sweep the whole that whole part of the world and crush everyone except their own regime. Today in 1621, the Dutch West India Company received its charter to operate in parts of the Americas and Africa. Some said it was a total monopoly, probably was. Today in 1888, the poem Casey at the Bat, Ernest Lawrence Thaler had written it. It was first published in the San Francisco Daily Examiner. Casey at the Bat. Mighty Casey has struck out. Today in 1965, astronaut Edward H. White, he became the first American to walk in space during a flight of Gemini 4. Have you ever thought you probably have it? I, I have, particularly when I was younger, when I was under 40, but I would watch these guys and I remember when those guys started walking in space. That would be a weird feeling, I think. Um, maybe not to them, but to people like me, it was, I'm not sure I would be up to that. Maybe a lot of learning and practice would change my mind. But anyway, he was the, uh, the first American to walk in space. I think he was tethered, but they were walking in space. Today, 1989, Iran's spiritual leader, Ayatollah Khomeini, he died. Today in 2008, Barack Obama claimed the Democratic presidential nomination. Today in 2011, physician suicide advocate, uh, Dr. Jack Kevorkian. Remember him? He died at a Michigan hospital. He was 83 years old. I don't know if he took his own life or had someone take it for him or if he just died of natural causes, but I do know he passed away today. Actor James Arnest did as well today in 2011. Remember Gunsmoke? Matt Dillon, he was 88. He died in Brentwood, California. Speaking of dying, I noticed heavyweight boxing champion Muhammad Ali, he died in Scottsdale, Arizona today in 2016. He was 74. Five years ago today, Elon Musk and his SpaceX launched its first recycled cargo ship to the International Space Station. He's gotten ahead. He's a interesting guy to say the least but he's gotten ahead of, of our own government in uh, his development of space travel and he's making trips he was I think he sent one of his SpaceX ships up there the other day to the uh, to the station it's uh, becoming becoming kind of an interesting um, thing in the hands of private uh, investors and, and private um, creators uh, there's so much more progress made than when the state, Tries to do everything. I I believe there are things that the state should do. I'm not one of those that doesn't believe in any government and believes in chaos. Uh, I don't, but my goodness, the bigger the government gets, the more difficulties we have in living under it. There's no question about that. President Joe Biden unleashed another passionate call for gun control. That's what the state does, things like that. He used his... uh, bully pulpit, the White House, to make his case last night, he said, nothing has been done. He got very emotional, and he was, he was doing his best to really communicate with a lot of emotion and anger. Uh, he said, this time that cannot be true. This time we must actually do something. We must do something. We must do something. He said, for so many of you at home, I want to be very clear. This is not about taking away anyone's guns. Then he announced a whole list of guns that he wanted to take away. I mean, honestly, he did. He wants to ban all assault weapons, he calls them, including AK-47s, AR-15s, as well as magazines holding 30 rounds. He said, I respect the culture, tradition, the concerns of lawful gun owners. But his speech quickly turned then to very partisan, very much directed at Republicans for blocking gun control proposals in the past. He said, my, and he used the Lord's name in vain, the fact that the majority of the Senate Republicans don't even want any of these proposals to be debated or come up for a vote, he said, I find unconscionable. We can't fail the American people again. Enough, enough. He called for Americans to vote out Republicans for opposing his proposals on gun control. He said, I believe the majority of you will act in, in, and turn your outrage to this issue and make it central in your vote. And he said it again, enough, enough, enough. The president has also called for proposals to raise the age of a person to purchase a rifle to the age of 21, more red flag laws, as they call them, the requirements for locked gun storage. He said, this time, we have to take the time to do something for using the Lord's name again, sake, he said, how much more carnage are we willing to accept? Enough. Enough. He said, I know how hard it is, but I'll never give up. Enough. Well, a couple of things came to mind. I want to share with you quickly this morning when I heard him saying those things. I think I don't wanna I don't wanna be cynical because what's going on in our world can make all of us cynical if we're not careful if we have any idea of what is going on. And I'm not cynical, but it raises questions. First of all, the question that it raises is was asked actually by Mike Lees, a Republican from Utah. He said, Why is our culture suddenly producing so many young men who want to murder innocent people? He said, Could things like fatherlessness, the breakdown of families, isolation from civil society, or the glorification of violence be contributing factors? I'll be talking about that more in the coming days because I believe that is at the heart of all of the issues that we're seeing, particularly these shootings and all of that. But the responsibility to raise the next generation of men lies with fathers and families, not the state. But it is the presumption of the left that the state is always the final answer, the final word on anything. They hardly argue it anymore. They just presume that, and they move ahead. When they're in power, they move ahead on that basis. Also, I would just note, mention this. You can you can check me on this over the over the coming weeks, but. I got a feeling that somebody has told the president, his speech writers or people close to him, to start using the word enough, because that isn't characteristic of him. I'm not a psychologist, but I've done a lot of counseling in my day. And I I don't think he's, I, I don't think those were just honest experience. I think that was calculated using the word enough, because that's something that we can all sort of relate to, we've all had enough of something at some point in our life, and usually a lot of things. So it's a pejorative term, and he's starting to use that, and he did the other day as well, just emphasizing, saying the word, the one word over and over and over again, enough, enough, enough. I think that's going to be his new kind of a watchword. So you pay attention and see if if my prediction here is is right. I'm not suggesting this is a prophecy. It doesn't matter that much, really. But I would say that in you're going to hear enough. You're going to get enough of enough over the coming days, for probably from now to the election, because he seems to feel comfortable with that word, And and somebody's writing that or giving him notes or telling him to use that word. So we'll see. But we've all had enough. That isn't the issue. The issue is, how do we solve the problems that we've had enough of? That is where the real divide comes after he got through giving a very emotional, for him at least, a very emotional speech, he, uh, he left the White House and went to his beach house in Delaware. I guess he never gets enough of that, and I don't, I don't fault him for that. If I had a beach house in Delaware or anywhere else, I'd probably want to go there myself. But interestingly enough, the position that the president took last night is in stark contradiction to what he was saying some years ago. Now, I understand some people, I mean, we learn things and our beliefs and perceptions change. I understand that. We all understand that. But on July 9, 1985, during a debate over the Firearms Owners Protection Act, FOPA, <laughs> F-O-P-A, Senate Judiciary Committee member Joe Biden, I looked this up, Senate Judiciary Committee. Member Joe Biden, a Democrat from Delaware, sided with the NRA and argued that criminals can get guns with or without gun control. His words. His words. NBC News actually reported on that at the time. They said the Judiciary Committee concurred with the Republican majority in support of the FOPA. <laughs> then it passed on the Senate floor by a lopsided 79 to 15. Biden voted for it. NBC News mentioned as a piece of legislation that it allowed dealers to sell rifles, shotguns, ammunition through the the mail, and eventually the Internet. They noted that FOPA, this acronym, also limited federal inspections of firearm dealers while allowing them to sell guns at gun shows, which helped them grow in size and popularity, and it made it easier for private collectors to sell guns without obtaining a federal dealer's license which would play a role in what later become known as the gun show loophole and prior to voting for this Joe Biden was actually arguing in defense of it the congressional record shows this I I, I rem- kind of remembered this and I I looked into it a little bit July 9 1985 the uh, the set the congressional record for the Senate, Quotes Biden describing this faux pas as a balanced, piece, I'm quoting him now, balanced piece of legislation that protects the rights of private gun owners while not infringing on law enforcement's ability to deal with those who misuse guns or violate guns. He said, "Joe Biden, during my 12 and a half years as a member of this body, I have never believed that additional gun control or federal registration of guns would reduce crime." I am convinced that a criminal who wants a firearm can get one through illegal, non-traceable, unregistered sources with or without gun control. Boy, has he changed since he started hanging out with Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders in the far, far, far left of his political party. So that was then, this is now, always changing, but never coming to an understanding of the truth, always learning and never coming to an understanding of the truth. Psalm 27:14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Moses wrote in Deuteronomy, he said, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, And he shall thrust out the enemy before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. The enemy cannot stand against the power of God that dwells within the people of God. I have found that to be true throughout my life and ministry. I'm here today to tell you what you already know, but just to affirm it. The eternal God is our refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will deal with the enemy. He will protect us. He will bring about stability in our lives in a very unstable, unsure culture that we live in today. I want to take a moment today to thank you for your support of this ministry. I sometimes don't even mention it on the air because it is just not, it is, I mean, it's vital. I wouldn't be here without your support. We something else would be playing at this moment on the station you're listening to. It is I mean that's just a truth. But from time to time I do need to mention it because sometimes we forget. Maybe some change their mind and say, I'm not gonna support that guy anymore. I don't know. But something happens and sometimes our income ebbs and flows. So I want to remind you to stand with us. It's very important for us to be able to continue this ministry and this program to have your support. Um, I know you understand that each of you have a budget that you have to meet each month of some kind, big or small, probably for the most part, it's all of us bigger than it should be. But uh, this ministry is no exception. And I know a lot of voices are calling for money today from every angle in the Christian community. I understand that. But please prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. We need your help. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. And to all of you who do regularly support the ministry, thank you so much. I can't tell you what it means to me, what an encouragement it is, and of course it allows us to do what I feel God has called me to do at this point in my life. June was once known as a month of romance between a male and a female, weddings. We had Father's Day in June. We still do, but it's been somewhat put in the shadows. Now it's becoming a month of irritation, a month of contradiction. It's becoming a month of compromise. We used to have Gay Pride Day. Now we have Gay Pride Month. Thank you, President Biden. A poll released last month finds that 87% of Americans are likely to stop using a product or a service of a company that ties its advertising to and openly advocates for a political agenda that they disagree with. It doesn't matter what the agenda is, any agenda, but something that they disagree with. it, It would be different with every person, you understand, but something that they disagree with. If if a company that they say, the Cheerios company, is out there waving uh, flags of gay pride or whatever, 87% of Americans say, I probably will take that into consideration when I buy their product, if I buy it, and I may not buy it for that reason. That's stunning. It was stunning to the people who took the the poll, and it was legitimate. It was a, a good poll, a solid poll. But from the White House to the U.S. embassies, including even the one at Holy See, the Vatican, the pride flags fly in June, and a lot of people are getting sick and tired of it. I don't know if the president and his allies on the homosexual agenda know this or not, but they will at some point. Even people that are sympathetic to what they're doing, and some are, they don't like it. They're getting sick and tired of it. Suzanne Bowdy, she's with Family Research Council. She wrote an article this week that I I appreciated. I I don't know her, but I appreciated what she said. She said, it might seem like every other June 1, but inside corporate boardrooms, the Pride Month feels different. Companies aren't coasting into this rainbow bonanza like last year's, empowered and carefree. She said, they're looking in the rearview mirror at 2022. It's been anything but kind to the CEO's woke causes. She said after the uprising against Disney, and boy, there was for sure. She's right. She said after the uprising against Disney and State Farm and Starbucks and Target, the question on most businesses' minds has to be, will pride come before the profits fall? The profits are going to fall because people, I totally agree with her. For most Americans, even the sympathetic one, June comes with its share of irritation. You can't log on to social media, shop for groceries, or turn on the TV, or even buy a Rab Supreme or a taco without being hit over the head with an LGBTQ propaganda. You can't take your kid to the library because they'll smother him or her with all of this nonsense. People are getting sick and tired of it. It isn't just people like me and pastors that take a biblical stand. At the San Antonio Zoo, there's a drag show. At Taco Bell, there's a drag brunch. Even at the Detroit Tigers baseball game, there's free transgender surgery for kids. If you support the right organizations at checkout, you may get drawn. I'm not making this up. A convention of states action, Trafalgar Group Survey, that's a strong company. They found that Likely voters, I'm quoting them, likely voters are disillusioned by companies that jump into the political fray and openly advocate for agendas they personally disagree with. Now, keep in mind, that wouldn't be the same issues. I mean, it would be one for one person, one for another. You get that. But the survey asked respondents, how likely are you to stop using a product or service of a company that openly advocates for a political agenda you disagree with? Most, 87.1% said it was at least somewhat likely they would stop using the product. Of those 81, 87.1%, 51.8% said it's very likely. They're fed up. The survey found that 84.5% of Democrats say they probably wouldn't buy a product from a company they disagree with. Now, that would be something we would probably disagree with, but... Nonetheless, 84.5% of Democrats, 93.4% of Republicans said that, and 82.6% of independents said the same thing. So the public is fed up with these companies wearing their agendas on their sleeves. In other words, they're just saying, man, if you sell tires, just please give me the best tire at the best price. Don't tell me what you believe. Let me learn that somewhere else. I don't want you to shape my worldview. That's what the public is saying. They're fed up with this. Bodhi's article says there's been a major miscalculation on the part of today's CEOs that everyday Democrats are on board with all their activism, but they're not. She's right. They're not. More than 84% of Democrats, their own cohorts, would prefer to skip the corporate activism. There's political fatigue and it cuts across all party lines. And so... Otherwise, this is not a political issue. It's a personal issue. People are sick and tired of Disney trying to educate your kids when you go there and spend, you know, 500 bucks for two hours or whatever it is now. Remember when you used to go to Disneyland, they had those little tickets, A, B, and C, D, E. That was amazing. Uh, No, I'm not 120 years old, but I do remember that. But people don't want Disney and Exxon and all of these people telling you what you should believe, particularly in moral issues. But that's what they're doing. And I think the companies have thought they had found the mainstream, the stride of where the American public is. But this is an awakening, at the least, that I think they will see this poll because it's out there and it's pretty extensive i mean it's in a lot of different pieces yesterday and today and so on people are talking about it but there's political fatigue and it cuts across the party lines it isn't just one party versus another ben shapiro is not a christian he's an orthodox jew i quote him from time to time he's he's brilliant he's an intellectual for sure he's a harvard grad harvard i think he was a professor there taught law anyway i know he graduated harvard law and so on but he's very conservative and he's Judeo-Christian based. He believes in the Judeo values of the Bible. But he says, he says about this, he says, this ever expanding Rubik revolves around a particular value system. He's talking about the left, entirely embraced by the modern left. The notion that a person's core identity ought to lie not in the relationship between individual desires and societal duties, but instead ought to revolve around a subjective sense of self, unverifiable by the world at large and justified against all society, societal roles and rules. The point that he's making is the fact that the homosexual community and their demands, which President Biden has bowed to on his knee, I mean, honestly, he has, along with a lot of other people that think it's politically advantageous, who will now, I think, rethink that, but perhaps not. They should. But the point that Shapiro is making is that this is contradictory. And he says, from an intellectual's point of view, he said, this is intellectual fatigue. He said, it's a contradiction. He said, they've been saying one thing, now they're saying something else, and it's totally different, but without any explanation. And he said, people are catching on to this. And they are saying, wait a minute, you said you were born that way, now you say you get to choose, which is it? I mean, that's, in my terms, that's what he's saying. He said, President Joe Biden has said as much from the White House in a proclamation urging Americans to wave their flags of high pride. He said, it's worth noting that an entire side of the political aisle in the United States now finds the so-called pride flag far less controversial than the American flag itself. He said, Biden said this month, quoting Biden, this month we remind the LGBTQI plus, et cetera, community that they're loved and cherished. My administration sees you for who you are, deserving of dignity, respect, and support. Well, of course they do. Superior says seeing people for who they, typically require, who they typically are require some sort of objective standard. He said it's literally impossible to see someone for who he is based on his own internal perception. In other words, if I feel like I'm a woman, I'm a woman, but how can you know that so you can respect me? He said that is, it doesn't even work in a society, in a culture. He said this means that Biden is using perfectly Orwellian kinds of euphemism to say we all ought to validate the self-perception of any he, she, it, z, cat. I mean, there's 60-some now. (laughs) If you know you're a male or a female, just thank the Lord. Because there are 60-some versions of what God created in his image and likeness out there today, and it's running wild in the halls of so-called education. That's part of the problem as well. Shapiro says this perspective is absolutely incoherent. Ironically, this incoherence is exposed by the conflict between the different letters within the alphabet soup of supposedly sexually marginalized he said the case for tolerance of lesbian and gay Americans used to be the biological drives should be should not be regulated by society at large because such drives were inborn and innate, born that way. The idea at least had the merit of internal consistency, he says, but now the idea has been jettisoned for its logical opposite. He said the belief that biology has no hold on us whatsoever That we ought to be free to define ourselves in opposition to our own biology, changing our gender and sexual orientation at will. That's what I've been trying to say for some time. He says it much better. That's why I quoted him. He says homosexual orientation on the one hand still relies on the continued distinction between the sexes because they prefer either male or female. Yet the transgenderism agenda relies totally on the malleability of human sexuality. Yet here, we are. (laughs) He said the White House, for the White House says we must ignore the internal contradictions of left-wing sexual ideology and simply pretend the incoherence away. It doesn't exist. That is a perfect picture of the left. We are a compromised nation. U.S. embassies around the world are flying the Pride flag, not for a day, but for a month. At President Biden's insistence, it's on our embassy at the Vatican. It's amazing, but there are Catholic priests that are calling for more, not less. We live in a failing society. I'll see you Monday.